Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this snowy Friday in Philadelphia. I think a lot of people are probably home today because of the snow day. We haven't had snowstorms like this in a while. It's not really that bad. When I, when I was little, I don't think we would have uh, had school canceled today, but things are a little bit different these days. But enjoy the snow day. Spend it with me for the next hour here on the Power Hour. We are live on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. We are also live on TikTok. And I see Barbara Carroll already calling out the shirt. We're going to talk about it because the Fly Guys, they are good this season. And we deserve this team in Philadelphia. After the year we've had in the city of Philadelphia between the Phillies, and now the Eagles, we deserve this surprise that the Philadelphia Flyers are right now. So we're going to talk about our Flyers. We got to talk about our Philadelphia Eagles. Looks like Nick Sirianni is going to meet with Jeffrey Lurie today. Some news coming out with regard to TJ Edwards I want to talk about. And this is our football Friday. So we'll get into a look ahead at these divisional matchups this weekend. Some heavy favorites in these matchups, but we'll talk about that as well. But this is the Philly Sports Power Hour. Let me get a little roll call in the chat. I see Flexen and Steppen in the house. Brian Lippincott, Jim G, Mike Fittery, Wine Niners Wine. Who else we got here today? Barbara Carroll, Chuck Hutton, Elliot, William Stark, Christine Chibb. Jimmy Wen, Jay Patterns, and I see people checking in on TikTok as well. Good morning. Welcome to the Power Hour. We got a lot to talk about today. Just me today. No guests on Friday. You get a full hour of Bill Calarulo. Does it get any better? Does it get any better? Well, yesterday, not a lot of you guys were agreeing with me about Nick Sirianni. So I want to get back to that a little bit. And I see more people checking in. But before we get into Nick Sirianni, we have to talk about our Philadelphia Flyers. If anybody watched that game last night, yeah, the Flyers win 5-1. They absolutely dominated the Dallas Stars. Absolutely dominated them. And you're talking about a good Dallas hockey team. They outshot them 43 to 15. And if you haven't seen the goal yet, Owen Tippett with maybe the best goal I've ever seen from a Philadelphia Flyer. And that is not an exaggeration. When the show is over, YouTube Owen Tippett's goal 
And you tell me if that's not one of the best goals you've ever seen from a Philadelphia Flyer. Unbelievable. Tippett puts in two last night. And here's the crazy thing, guys. Do you know how the Philadelphia Flyers got Owen Tippett? And he's playing well this season. They traded Claude Giroux to Florida for not only Owen Tippett, but a first-round draft pick. And the Florida Panthers got Giroux for 18 games. Great trade. Absolute great trade by the Philadelphia Flyers to get Owen Tippett here in exchange for Claude Giroux, who gave the Florida Panthers 18 games. But this team's playing well. You now have Cam Atkinson scoring again for the second straight game after he went an eternity without a goal. We've talked about it before on this show, how good the penalty kill has been for the Flyers, but the power play hasn't been good. Well, now they got the power play going. Still the worst power play in the league, but that's because they had such a tough stretch. But the power play scoring goals, they're getting great goaltending. We talked about that yesterday. Carter Hart, Samuel Erson, both guys going back and forth competing. This is a fun Flyers team to watch. They've won five games in a row. And how about this? Since they traded Cutter Gauthier, because he didn't want to be a Philadelphia Flyers, the Flyers are undefeated since they got Jamie Drysdale. 5-0. and Our fly guys. This is no longer a small sample size, guys. This is no longer a fluke. They have now played 45 games this season. 45 out of 82. For you math whizzes, that's more than half the season. And they are in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Only two points behind the Rangers who are in top spot. Please bring back playoff hockey to South Philadelphia. We deserve it after the year we had. We deserve it after the heartbreak the Phillies gave us. After the epic collapse the Eagles gave us. Give us a surprise like our Philadelphia Flyers, baby. Hockey is back in South Philadelphia. Jump on the bandwagon. There's plenty of room. I don't care if you've checked out on this team for years because they've stunk. We want you back. Let's get behind this team. Because this team is good. They are well coached. They play hard. Love this team. But that's our fly, guys. They're back in action this weekend. They have a back-to-back -back Saturday and Sunday. Who do they have this weekend, Saturday and Sunday? Let's take a look. Flyers looking at their schedule. I'm sure you guys will give it to me before. They got Colorado on Saturday. They got Ottawa on Sunday. Both games are at home. They're in the middle of a four-game homestand. So, Colorado's got a good team, 29-14. and 14. Ottawa's not as good, but it really doesn't seem to matter. This team beats everybody right now. So, but that's our hockey talk, representing the Flyers today. Tune in, jump on the wagon, because you need something positive in this town right now, and the Flyers are it. And I see Fran I already checking in. Fran's always loving her Flyers, no matter what. I know she's not back on the bandwagon. She's been on it. For a long time. So I know she's enjoying this, this hockey talk. But let's jump over to our Philadelphia Eagles. Because yesterday, my Power Hour crew, you know I love you. But a lot of you, we were disagreeing yesterday. A lot of you, I was disagreeing with yesterday. 
And that's because I told you, when I let the emotions subside of what happened the last few weeks of the season, and I take a look at the total picture and all of the evidence in front of us, I think Nick Sirianni deserves to be back. And I know that set a lot of people off. I know a lot of people weren't happy about that. But I gave you all the reasons why I think he deserves to be back. And just a quick summary on why I think he deserves it. Only the third coach ever to start consecutive seasons with 10-1 and or better. Joining guys like Tony Dungy and Don Shula, two legendary coaches. Through his first 45 games with Jalen Hurts, you're talking about a record of 34-11, and which is the fifth most ever behind, listen to these legends, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, John Fox and Peyton Manning, and Don Shula and Dan Marino. That's it. Those are the only four coaches who have a better record through their first 45 games with their starting quarterback. We just want to ignore all that. And I talked about the Super Bowl hangover that everybody was worried about in the offseason, and we all forgot about it. And I want to talk more about this because the reason we all forgot about it was because of the start they had, because of the 10-1 and start. And I want to talk about that, so sit tight on that one. But you look at the Super Bowl hangover, only six coaches ever have gotten back to a Super Bowl after losing the big game. And listen to these names. Tom Landry and the 71 Cowboys. Don Shula and the 72 Dolphins. Bud Grant and the 73 Vikings. And the 73 Vikings are the last time an NFC team has made it back to the Super Bowl after losing the year before. You're talking 50 years. 50 years. And we want to fire this guy because he didn't do something that no NFC coach has done in 50 freaking years? This is why when I take a step back, and trust me, I was just as angry as all of you. When that game ended against the Tampa Bay Bucks, I was ready to move on from Sirianni. I said, I can't believe this team checked out like they did. But when you really take a step back and we look at this objectively and without emotion, you have to bring Nick Sirianni back. In addition to the 73 Vikings, you got the 86 Denver Broncos with Dan Reeves, the Buffalo Bills in the 90s with Marv Levy, and the 2018 New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. And I told you guys this yesterday, and I'm going to keep going. None of those coaches, none of them lost both coordinators after losing a Super Bowl. In fact, only two teams in NFL history have gone to a Super Bowl and lost both coordinators after it. The 1995 San Francisco 49ers, they couldn't get out of the divisional round. And that's with George Seifert and Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. They couldn't get out of the divisional round. The other team, the 2005 New England Patriots with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They couldn't get out of the divisional round. Finished the season 10-6. and six. The 95 Niners finished the season 11-5. and five. 
So when you look at all of these factors, why would we move on from this guy? He hasn't deserved one more shot. He hasn't deserved at least one more season. I can keep going, guys. Regular season winning percentage, 667, 14th all time. The only active coach with a higher regular season winning percentage right now is Matt LaFleur. Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, been doing it a lot longer. Better coaches, not denying that. But their winning percentage isn't even that high. Only Eagles coach ever to start his first three years as an Eagles coach and bring his team to the playoffs. And we want to just ignore all of this? We want to just say, ah, fire him. Get rid of him. Bring in somebody else. I get it. I was angry too. But when we look at this without emotion and objectively, why would we move on from this guy? And I already know what you're all going to say. The team checked out. The team checked out. Well, there's a couple of reasons why I'm not agreeing with that anymore. Because, yes, it looked like the team checked out. But now you have all of these veterans supporting him to the point where it's not just lip service. It is not just lip service what Fletcher Cox is saying. If you watch their responses, these this isn't, yeah, we have full support in Nick Sirianni. Fletcher Cox called Jeff McClain a clown for even asking the question. Couldn't believe it. Come on, man. He's the head coach of this football team. There ain't even no effing discussion about that, man. Jason Kelsey talking about how much he loves Nick, how great of a coach Nick is. He has the support of the veteran leaders. That tells me a lot. And the other argument that everybody wants to make is the epic collapse. The epic collapse. And this is the question that I have for everybody about this epic collapse. If the Philadelphia Eagles, and I want to hear your opinions in the chat, if the Philadelphia Eagles started this season five and six, six and five, instead of 10 and one, and got to the same point where they struggled down the stretch, made the playoffs, wild card team, lost in the first round, would we all be saying to fire Nick Sirianni? Is it just the quote-unquote, epic collapse of why we're firing Nick Sirianni? Because, again, we talked about all of this stuff, all of these stats, all of these things that Nick Sirianni was able to accomplish. So all I keep getting back in response is he's a cheerleader. He doesn't do anything. He's a clown. I don't care how easy their schedule was last season. I don't want to hear how easy the schedule was because other teams in the last 60 years have had easy schedules. But yet Nick Sirianni is talked about with guys like Dungy and Shula and Reed and Tom Landry. I mean, these are legendary coaches 
that Nick Sirianni was able to accomplish things that only these guys accomplished. But yet he's a clown? That's what I don't understand. And I'm asking you, if they would have started this season five and six or six and five, which they very easily could have, if we go back now with the benefit of hindsight being 2020, and you look at those first 11 games, they could very easily not have started 10 and one. The New England Patriots game, week one, could have easily lost that game. They dominated the Vikings, they dominated the Bucs. The Washington Commanders game, overtime, could have easily lost that game. The Rams game was a close game. The New York Jets, they lost. The Dolphins, I'm giving them that one. That was a good win. But they could have easily lost the next Commanders game. Could have easily lost the Cowboys game. Could have easily lost the Chiefs game, the Bills game. So we sit up here and we talk about an epic collapse. This team was trying to tell us who they were all freaking year. They weren't that good of a team. That's the part when you take a step back and you look at this team. I don't even think we can call it an epic collapse. They haven't been that good all season. They haven't. So we want to blame it all on Nick Sirianni. I get it. He's the easy person to blame. I'm not happy. I don't think he did a great job coaching this year. I'm not trying to defend what he did this season as a coach. All I'm saying is, is I think he deserves another year after everything he's been able to accomplish. And when you take a step back and you look at this team, they weren't that good. They weren't that good mainly because the defense absolutely stunk this year. And you can't blame this defense on Nick Sirianni. This defense lacked personnel. And they lacked personnel because of one person and one person only. And that's Howie Roseman. And I want to know in the chat, if they would have started this season 6-5 and five and finished the same way, would you still want Nick Sirianni fired? And if so, then that means everything we talked about, the Super Bowl hangover, all of the coaches who were able, able to overcome that, the six legends who were able to overcome that, that because Nick Sirianni is not them, we should fire him. I just don't think that we could ignore what they did last season. We can't talk about that it was just luck. This is the NFL. They dominated everybody last year. And yeah, I think a lot of that was Shane Steichen. But I'm okay giving Nick Sirianni one more year. But don't sell me on bringing back Brian Johnson. Don't sell me on bringing back Matt Patricia. I'm okay bringing back Nick. I think he had a lot of success over the last three years that we can't ignore. But don't try to sell me Brian Johnson and Matt Patricia. And I see Slagger in the chat saying if they started 6-5 and five and ended up 7-11, and 11, it would be easier to call for his head. See, that's where I disagree. Really, one year removed from a Super Bowl. One year removed from taking a team to a Super Bowl, we're going to fire. And I want you to think about this, because I want to talk about Howie Roseman on the other side of the break. But I also want you to think about this. What kind of message 
does that send to other coaching candidates? What kind of message would it send to other coaching candidates that we are an organization that a head coach can lead his team last year to one of the best seasons in franchise history, take his team all the way to a Super Bowl, lose, and because he doesn't duplicate it the next year, he's gone. What kind of message does that send to other coaching candidates? And when we get back, I want to talk about Howie Roseman because I put a majority of the blame of what you saw this season on Howie, not Nick. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. Disagreeing with my Power Hour crew today. I see you guys in the chat. And I know after the game, I was emotional too. I wanted Nick Sirianni to be fired. I was saying all the same things you guys are saying. But I'm telling you, if you look at the big picture, you do not move on from Nick Sirianni right now. You don't do it. And I see people in the chat talking about the man that I feel was the most responsible for what you saw on the field this season. And that was Howie Roseman. And listen, Sirianni didn't do a great job. I'm not saying Nick Sirianni did a great job. Their offensive game plans sucked. Their inability to prepare for the blitz was terrible. Their play calling was horrible. Sirianni needs to do a better job across the board. Brian Johnson should be gone. They need to bring in a better offensive coordinator. No doubt about it. But we can't sit here and ignore the culpability of Howie Roseman in this whole situation. First off, before we get into the personnel on the defense, can we all agree that the nail in the coffin for this season was when they made the drastic, desperate decision to move on from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia with only four games left. Is there anyone that disagrees? That was the final nail in the coffin that they never were able to overcome. And I firmly believe that that decision came from Howie Roseman. That was not Nick Sirianni's decision. When you listen to the players and you hear the way they're talking about this, that was Howie Roseman. And if it was, in fact, Howie Roseman that made the decision to use Sean Desai Desai as a scapegoat for the defensive personnel that Howie Roseman built, and that was the nail in the coffin, then why are we putting all of the blame on the head coach? If it was, in fact, Howie Roseman who said, we're changing coordinators. And the reason I call Sean Desai, and I can't even say his name today, you get me all worked up. The reason I say Sean Desai was the scapegoat was because Howie Roseman failed at building the defensive roster. There's people rewriting history here, talking about, oh, this is the most talented team the Eagles have ever had. Did you see the defense? Did you see how bad this defense was? Yeah, coaching can help at times. Scheme can help at times. They couldn't tackle anybody. They couldn't cover anybody. And this is on Howie Roseman. Let's just talk about the linebacker position. And when I talk about hindsight being 2020, this is not one of those situations. We all freaking said they ignored the linebacker position. Everybody said it. 
I was doing videos all damn summer saying they never should have let TJ Edwards walk. They should not be putting all their hopes on the Kobe Dean shoulders. I said it all summer long. The kid had played 34 career NFL snaps. We had no idea if the Kobe Dean could play. We had no idea if the Kobe Dean could stay healthy. They should have never let TJ Edwards walk. And everybody who wanted to defend Howie said, oh, well, TJ just wanted to go home to Chicago. And I kept saying, if they wanted TJ Edwards, they could have kept him. If they wanted him to stay, they could have made it happen. And now, now we get a report last night from Clay Harbor who says that a source told him Howie Roseman never even spoke to TJ Edwards last season. Didn't even want to talk to him about bringing him back. So now we want to sit up here and put all the blame on Nick Sirianni when it was Howie Roseman who made the decision to ignore the linebacker position. It was Howie Roseman who made the decision not to pay TJ Edwards. And look, guys, he didn't get a lot of money. Three years, 19 and a half million from Chicago. That's not a lot of money. You look at the contract, I'm looking at it right now. His cap hit last season, $5 million. His cap hit next season, $7.5 million. 2025, $7 million. Do you think TJ Edwards would have made a difference on this Eagles defense? And you've talked, or excuse me, you've heard me talk before about why this defense is in the predicament they are in, and that's because Howie Roseman hasn't been able to draft and develop young defensive talent. He has missed so many times on the defensive side of the football over the last five years. I'm hopeful that the new guys are going to be good. I'm hopeful Keeley and Sidney and Jalen Carter and even Eli Ricks are going to be good players. But if we truly had Super Bowl aspirations this season, if we truly thought that we were going to do something that no NFC team has done in 50 damn years, which is lose the Super Bowl and get back the next year, you can't go into this season relying on that many rookies. But the defense lacked young playmakers who are still on their cheap rookie contracts because Howie Roseman misses time and time again. I gave you guys the names. You want to hear them again? I'll give them to you again. 2022, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Kyron Johnson. Kyron Johnson's on the damn Steelers already. Jordan Davis, what do we even have? N'Kobe Dean on IR. Not giving up on Dean. Not giving up on Dean. But to come under this season with a guy who only played 34 snaps, a guy you didn't know whether or not he was going to be able to carry the entire load of that defense would have been very easy to bring back T.J. Edwards. Very easy. Then look at 2021. Milton Williams. Give him that one. I like Milton. But there's a theme here. Defensive tackles contribute. Nobody else. Corner Zach McPherson on IR. Defensive tackle Marlon Tupelotu. Not bad. 
D tackle again, D tackles. What about our edge rushers? What about our linebackers? What about safeties? Well, we drafted defensive end Teron Jackson. What'd he give you this year? Nothing. He's on the practice squad. Drafted linebacker Jacoby Stevens. What is he giving you? Nothing. He's not even in the NFL anymore. Drafted defensive end Patrick Johnson. What did he give you this year? Outside of special teams play. Nothing. Go to 2020. Drafts linebacker Davion Taylor. What is he giving you? Nothing. He's out of the league. Safety, Kavon Wallace. He's on the Titans. Linebacker, Sean Bradley. On IR this year, just a special teams player. Defensive end, Casey Tuhill on the Commanders. Gave you nothing. 2019, defensive end, Sharif Miller. Out of the league. There's a reason why when you look at this defense, they lack edge rushers. They lack linebackers. They lack safeties. Because they've missed on every single defensive draft pick outside of the D-tackle position for the last five years. The only thing how we can do is draft D-tackles. Every other position, he has to rely on trying to pick up free agents that are available in training camp. He's got to rely on trying to make trades mid-season for aging pro bowlers, former pro bowlers like Kevin Byard. So when you sit here and you look at this defense that severely lacked personnel, why would we move on from a coach who's had a lot of success in the last three years? I just think that it would be a knee-jerk reaction. It would be an emotional decision to move on from Nick Sirianni when you look at this defense that was in the predicament that they were in because of Howie Roseman's inability to draft, Howie Roseman's inability to see that you can't ignore key positions like linebacker and safety. And we're talking about linebacker. Let's talk about safety, too. Because in addition to letting T.J. Edwards walk and Kazir White walk and trying to fill those roles with guys like Zach Cunningham and Shaq Leonard and Nick Morrow and Miles Jack, look at what he did at safety. And listen, I'm good with Reed Blankenship. I still think we're going to find out how good he is. But I was okay with bringing him back to fill the one safety spot. But when you have an undrafted second-year player at your one safety spot, you can't afford to try to piecemeal the other one. You had to solidify the second safety spot to go along with Blankenship. And instead of bringing in a good, strong second safety to pair with Blankenship, look what they tried to do. They bring in Terrell Edmonds. The guy couldn't even last the season. They traded him to Tennessee. That's how bad Terrell Edmonds was. They bring in Justin Evans, who's been hurt his entire career. Where did he end the season? On IR. They try to make a trade for Kevin Byard, who's a couple steps removed from when he was a, a pro bowler, all pro. Nowhere near the same guy. So, in my opinion, you look at this defense, 
And it's on Howie Roseman. And I see people talking to me in the chat saying, you know, Bill's a, is bird gang. He's the organization. I'm telling you right now that Howie Roseman is a problem when building this defense. So how am I supporting the organization? Because I don't think you move on from a head coach who's had the amount of success that Nick Sirianni has had in three years. If we truly believe, and if you guys agree with me, that Howie Roseman is the real reason this defense sucked, if you believe that Howie Roseman was the one making the decision to change from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia, why are we firing Nick Sirianni? I don't understand it. And I also want to know then from all of you guys in the chat, what would you have been happy with this season? Was only getting to a Super Bowl the only way that Nick Sirianni could have saved his job? And I know exactly what you're going to say. You just didn't want to see the team give up like they did at the end of the season. I didn't like it either. But I'm telling you right now, I think we are underestimating the Super Bowl hangover. I think we are underestimating that when these players realized that they were nowhere near good enough to get back to a Super Bowl, that this team was nowhere near good enough, they started to check out. And yeah, that's on Sirianni. I'm not forgiving him. I'm not absolving him. I just don't think you fire him. I just don't think you fire a guy who was trying to battle something that no one's been able, ever able to do. No coach in NFL history has gone to a Super Bowl, lost both coordinators, and got past the divisional round in the playoffs. Not even Steve Young or Tom Brady and Bill Belichick could go over that. So when you look at this Super Bowl hangover, which is a real thing, there is too much evidence to say it is not a real thing. There is a reason why only six coaches get back to a Super Bowl after losing one. There's a reason why over 30% of Super Bowl losers don't even make the playoffs. It's because your players, it is a tough season. I'm not absolving these players. They needed to play better. I'm not absolving Nick Sirianni. Need to do a better job. But what I'm saying is we cannot ignore that the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. That when you start to play in games and you start to get that creep of doubt in your mind that you're not good enough to get back to a Super Bowl, it affects you. Do you remember when they were 10-1 and one and all we were talking about was, is this team having fun? They don't look like they're having fun. They didn't look like they were having fun because none of it mattered. Winning 10 games doesn't matter. Winning your division doesn't matter. Making the playoffs doesn't matter. The entire season is looked at with one objective. We got to get back to the Super Bowl. We got to get back to the Super Bowl because anything less is a failure. And that is why the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. The pressure is insurmountable. Change is needed, guys. I'm not saying change isn't needed. They need to fire Brian Johnson. His play calling is terrible. His game planning is terrible. I know it's Sirianni's offense. I know it is. But you saw Sirianni's offense with Shane Steichen, and there was success. 
you could bring in an offensive coordinator here. Nick Sirianni can be a good CEO coach. He can. He's proven it. They dominated teams last year. I know we all want to call him a clown. I know we all want to call him a cheerleader. But look at the success they had last year, guys. That's not something that you can do in the NFL if you're an absolute clown. You can't. We can't ignore it. So I'm okay with them bringing back Sirianni. But get rid of Johnson. Get rid of Patricia. And guys, I told you this yesterday. I'm going to say it again. I love that you're disagreeing with me. And I love the guys who are agreeing with me too. But I love that we can have this disagreement. This is the beautiful thing about sports. Is that we all have our opinions. And I respect your opinions. And I want you to keep bringing them. I hope you guys are wrong. I hope I'm right. I hope they bring back Sirianni. I hope it's the right decision. And I see Dank Birds asking why get rid of Johnson. Because I think Brian Johnson did a terrible job this season. I think the offense lacked rhythm. I think the play calling was terrible. And I think you bring in a strong offensive coordinator to help right the ship. Jalen Hurts took a massive step backwards this year. Massive step backwards. Some of that's on coaching. Absolutely some of that is on coaching. But you also can't absolve Jalen Hurts. I don't want to hear him taking that safety in the wild card game from his own 14-yard line. That's not on Nick Sirianni. That's not even on Brian Johnson as much as I think they should move on from Johnson. That's on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts made way too many mistakes this season, way too many turnovers this season. So I think you move on from Brian Johnson. I think you bring in a good offensive mind, maybe a guy like a Frank Reich, maybe a guy who's a little bit older, who can help right the ship a little bit. I just don't think you move on from a head coach who's had the amount of success that Nick Sirianni has had. And look, we'll keep talking about it. We'll find out more today. Jeffrey Lurie and Sirianni are meeting today. But I would be surprised if they move on. Well, let's take a look, guys, at our football Friday because there is still some NFL football left to play. Some good games. We got two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Man, the chat is going on fire. I see people saying the chat's on fire. I see you guys. But, yeah, I put a I put a poll up on my Instagram. Some of you guys follow me on Instagram. And I put a poll up about, and now that the emotions have calmed, would you move on from Sirianni? It's about 60-40 in favor of moving on from Sirianni. So there is a lot more support for Sirianni than I thought there would be. There is a lot more support than I thought there would be. But, again, I just think that we overestimated how good this team was. When they started the season 10-1, and if you go back, they weren't that good. They weren't that good all year. So when we talk about this epic collapse, yeah, it was tough to watch. But when you really go back and look, this team wasn't that good all season. They just weren't. The defense was bad all year, guys. All freaking year, they were in the bottom of almost every single category. Every one. 
And I think when you just take all of that, you take the Super Bowl hangover, you talk about the change at offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, you look at the defense and the lack of personnel that they had. You look at some of the guys they brought back who took massive steps backwards, like James Bradbury, and you saw Josh Sweat hit a wall. You take all of that. This team wasn't that good. And they were trying to overcome a lot. So that's why I think you bring them back. But anyway, let's take a look. First game on Saturday, we got the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens are nine and a half point favorites in that game. Before week 18, when the Ravens rested everybody, they've won six in a row. They finished the season 13 and four. These two teams did play way back in week one, but we can't look there. I mean, that was C.J. Stroud's first game ever in the NFL, and that kid looks like an absolute stud now. But the Ravens won that game 25-9. to But you look back at last week in the wildcard round, and the Houston Texans went up against the Cleveland Browns, who had the number one defense in the entire NFL. They put up 45 points. I know some of those was because of the defense, but they literally dominated that game start to finish against the Cleveland Browns. But you look at this Houston Texans team, it's going to be tough because the Ravens are an extremely good team on both sides of the football. But I think like a lot of games, turnovers may be key in this football game. You look at Baltimore, they are the number one team in the entire NFL when it comes to turnover differential. And the Houston Texans are number five in the NFL when it comes to turnover differential. Baltimore, number six offense in the league. Houston, number 12. But the Ravens also have a really good defense. Houston's about middle of the pack. 14 in yards against. They do a good job at stopping the run. Houston does a good job at stopping the run, but they've been susceptible to the pass this season. Well, luckily for the Texans, what the Ravens do really well is run the football. They don't throw it as well. Number one rushing team in the NFL, number 21 passing team. So the Texans have a shot in this game. I just think the Ravens are probably too too good on both sides of the football, a better team. But, man, I'd love to see C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans with D'Amico Ryans upset the Ravens. I don't think it'll happen. I think the Ravens win this football game. But hopefully they make it a good game because that's how we start our Saturday. But nine and a half point favorites. When you get lines like that, it always scares me to go one way or another because you just don't know what's going to happen. I see MK in the chat saying he thinks the Texans lose by 21 points. So I think the Ravens win. I just don't know if they cover. I would stay away from that game, but I think the Ravens win. But I'll tell you this, I'm rooting for CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. No doubt about it. I'm rooting for the underdogs in that game. Then you go to the night game on Saturday. The Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love in San Francisco to take on our beloved San Francisco 49ers. Rooting for the dogs again on this one. Nine and a half point dogs, the Green Bay Packers going up against the San Francisco 49ers. Packers are playing good football, man. Seven and two down the stretch. You look at San Francisco, they rested all their starters week 18, so they were 7-1 and one down the stretch if you take that game out, that they lost to Carson Wentz and the L.A. Rams. But 
again, looking at turnovers, Green Bay turns the ball over sometimes. They do turn the ball over sometimes. Well, number six in turnovers, but they don't get a lot of takeaways is what I was trying to say. They don't get a lot of takeaways, whereas the 49ers do. 49ers are number five in takeaways. So, again, turnovers could be a big part in that game. But we'll see what happens. Jordan Love is playing very well. They're number 11 in offense. The Niners are number two. But I just think the Niners have a lot better of a defense, especially rushing defense. San Francisco 49ers have a top three rushing defense, whereas the Green Bay Packers are 28th in the league. And you look at the 49ers offense, I'm just not sure the Packers are going to be able to stop. The way they run the football, the way Christian McCaffrey's involved in that, also a top five passing offense. So I think the 49ers will win that game, but I'm rooting for the dogs again. I'm definitely rooting for the dogs. So we'll see how Jordan Love plays in San Francisco. Then on Sunday, they start the day with the Detroit Lions hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks, who just dominated the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's be honest, the Bucks stink. The Bucs absolutely stink. I know they just dominated our Eagles, but they're not going to win that football game. Lions are a more physical team. Lions are a better team. I have a lot more faith in Jared Goff than I do Baker Mayfield. I'm looking at the ranks here. You got the Tampa Bay Bucks, the number 32 rushing team in the NFL, and yet somehow this still pisses me off. Somehow they were still able to put up over 100 yards on the Philadelphia Eagles defense. But I think the Lions dominate that game. I really do. I think they dominate it. Detroit's going to be rocking. NFC Championship game will probably be Detroit and San Francisco in San Francisco. I'll be rooting for Detroit. We know we can't stand the Niners. And then the night game on Sunday, or the late game, I should say, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going up against each other again. They've had some epic battles. But this one's in Buffalo. Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. This is a close one. That's a tough line to read. But I do think the Buffalo Bills are a better team. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs. They are not the Kansas City Chiefs of old. They don't have the playmakers on the offensive side of the football like they've had in the past. But they do have a really good defense. And what we know about Josh Allen, he turns the ball over. But I think if Josh Allen can protect the football, and not commit some of the turnovers we've gotten accustomed to seeing him commit, I think they could win that game. And I think they could win that game easily if he doesn't turn the ball over. So we will see. But I'm going. I think you're going to get all the favorites this week, unfortunately. Ravens, Niners, Lions, Bills. But I will definitely be rooting for two dogs on Saturday, and that's the Texans and the Packers. Would love to see two upsets there, but we'll see how it goes. But, guys, I do appreciate all of you spending this hour with me, even though I agree, disagree with a lot of you. I do disagree. I'll tell you, though, I don't understand where the uh, where the hate comes from, man. Calling me a Eagles, uh, whatever you were calling me, Spadaro or whatever the hell you guys were calling me. I'm just telling you what, like I see it, man. And I told you, you look at all this evidence. You look at everything, and you take the big picture. I don't understand how we fire Sirianni. 
I just don't see it. I just don't see it, man. I just don't see it. I don't see how we could say he's an absolute clown. An absolute clown. A guy who brought us to a Super Bowl last year. And everybody wants to, oh, it was all Shane Steichen. And I think Shane Steichen was great. I really do. But remember what we did to Dougie P? Everybody remember that? 2017, Eagles win the Super Bowl. They come back to next year. They struggle a little bit because the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing, even when you win it. And everybody, oh, it was all Frank Reich. Doug Peterson doesn't know how to coach. It's all Frank Reich. It's all DeFilippo. Peterson doesn't know what he's doing. Just be careful what we wish for, guys. Just be careful what we wish for. It's not always the way it looks from the outside. And I agree. I think Shane Steichen was great. Great play caller. Great for this team. I just don't think we can ignore, in the NFL especially, what Sirianni did last year. And listen, there's another aspect of Sirianni's game that I do like when we talk about him as a CEO coach. If you remember, I do think there have been times where he's made some really good in-game decisions. We've talked about it before. Remember in the NFC Championship game, Devontae Smith catches that ball, but wasn't really a catch. Smith gets up, he's doing this, he's signaling this. They get up to the line, they snap the ball before the 49ers can challenge, and they talked about because they practiced that. They practiced that. They did the same thing against Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders this year. Like little things like that, guys, you can't ignore that stuff. I almost cursed. I think I can on YouTube, but you can't ignore that stuff. I just don't like when we sit here and we say he's a clown and he can't do anything and he's a cheerleader. Not when he's getting the support of his veteran leaders like he is. Not when we've seen him do some good things over the years. So, we'll see what happens, guys. We'll see what happens. We'll find out some more today. And I see you guys in the chat. I appreciate you. I do. I appreciate you all. All right, let's take a look. Like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History. So, on today's date, January 19th, 1952, the NFL purchased the struggling football franchise, the New York Yanks. There was a football franchise called the New York Yanks. They then had to move them to Dallas. So on today's date in 1952, the NFL steps in. The New York Yanks are struggling. They purchase it. They move them to Dallas, and they name them the Dallas Texans. Well, the Dallas Texans failed after one season. And the remains of that organization were awarded to a Baltimore-based group that started the Baltimore Colts. But the NFL and the current Colts organization, which then relocated to Indianapolis, for some reason doesn't consider the Colts to be a continuation of the New York Yanks team, even though they were. So you had the New York Yanks. They're struggling. The NFL buys them, moves them to Dallas. The Dallas Texans last a year. They go under. They get sold to Baltimore. They start the Baltimore Colts. Then they move to Indianapolis. 
But the Colts don't acknowledge that they were, in fact, one day, a long time ago, the New York Yanks. So a little interesting today in Phil's, in sports history on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Sometimes I got to find these obscure ones, guys, because there's not always news. Not always today in sports. But appreciate all of you. Enjoy your snow day. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. We will be back here on Monday, 10 o'clock, like we always are. But over the weekend, I'll still be posting content, daily content on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, threads, everywhere. So make sure you're following me everywhere. And bring that same heat, the same engagement that you're bringing in the chat. Let me know how you feel on my videos I'm posting. Let me know how you feel on Twitter. And I'll get back to you. I like to respond to you guys. So appreciate all of you. Hit that like button. Have a great, great weekend. And as always, go birds. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.